All right. Good morning. Welcome. Glad to have you online. I know we have a couple of people. Uh, one of our families is traveling today out west to Montana, joining us. Uh, and I have some family down in Texas joining us today. So welcome. Glad to have you here. Glad to have you here in the room. Welcome. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about justice. But before we do that, we are going to jump into one of our uh, Evangelical Covenant Distinctives. So we've been kind of going through this over the past several weeks. What are some distinctives of our church, of our denomination that we're a part of? So today we're talking about the whole mission of the church. This is something that we talk about in the covenant. We want to be about the whole mission. So some people would say the mission of the church is simply to help people get in right relationship with God. And they would talk about salvation, personal salvation. They would talk about praying a prayer, maybe uh, something along those lines. Some people would say the mission of uh, Jesus, the mission of the church is to help other people and to make sure that people have the things that they need. They would be about doing things uh, along the lines of social justice. They would be along the lines of helping those who are in need. At the Covenant Church, we say we're not about either or, we're about both and. We're going to be about the whole mission of the church. We're going to be about helping people who have need. And we're going to be about helping people with, right, with their relationship with God. So we can think about the vertical relationship with God and the horizontal relationship. Uh, and we are about both of those here at the Covenant. Which helps tie in really well uh, today to our topic because we are going to be talking about justice. And, you know, if you think about it, everybody wants things to be fair, Right? You think about kids when they grow up, it doesn't take them long to tell you, it's just not fair, right? You, can, you hear that from almost every kid at some point in time, and the parents are not in the room uh, and probably online as well. So my response to that, of course, is life's not fair, right? Uh, so when I was eight years old, uh, I was playing outside doing uh, at recess at my elementary school uh, when I picked up a metal bat and I swung that bat as hard as my eight-year-old body could and I hit another kid in my class somewhere right up on the back near the neck. Okay? I shouldn't have done it. Right? But I was sick and tired of him teasing and bullying me over and over and over. And it didn't help that this kid happened to be the son of the principal. So he got away with everything. And I was tired of it. Reflecting on it today, you know, I realize that I could have paralyzed him. I mean, I was that close. But fortunate for me, that didn't happen. And, you know, it didn't matter the teacher that he had been bullying me over and over again or that I had kept my cool numerous times before. I got punished and the teacher didn't say a word to him. I remember another time when I was growing up, my cousin and I took the rowboat out onto the lake. The winds picked up and we were unable to get back to shore. When we finally did get back to shore with some help, 
I got reamed out. My cousin, who happens to be a couple months older than me, nothing. If you can't tell, I got into trouble a fair amount when I was growing up. (laughs) But here's the thing. Life isn't fair. And there are probably times in your life where you have gotten away with something that you shouldn't have gotten away with. There are probably times where you got in trouble for something that you shouldn't have gotten in trouble for. And I want you to think about, have you ever been punished for something that wasn't your fault? Or have you ever gotten away with something that you shouldn't have? Obviously, today, we are talking about what God has to say about justice. We're in a series right now, God at the Movies, where we're talking about some recent movies in our uh, culture. And the reason is that we are constantly bombarded with all sorts of information that comes at us, whether it's on your phone or advertisements on TV or at billboards in the community, information, media, art is always coming at you all the time. And it's important for us to learn how to discern what is God's truth and what doesn't quite line up with God's truth. So whether you're watching a movie, reading a book, looking at art, looking at social media, any of those things, when you're taking in that information, We want you to be a good cultural detective. So that's why we're doing this series right now. And we're looking at movies because movies are a little bit longer form. They can develop ideas uh, that we can um, sort of ruminate on and think about. So we can find God's truth in any of these forms, not because they are the same authority as scripture, but because God's fingerprints are in everything in our world. So we can learn from those things. So we want to encourage you to jump in over the next couple weeks. Uh, today we're talking about Just Mercy, the movie. How many of you had a chance to see it this last week or in previous weeks? All right, a few of you. Well, we would still encourage you to see the movie. Next week we're going to be watching Star Wars, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, so the most recent one. You can jump in uh, and we'll talk about that next week at our joint service. But this week we are in Just Mercy. Uh, it's a movie that is based off of a book by the same title. It's the true story of a man named Brian Stevenson, who is a lawyer who started the Equal Justice Initiative, and it specifically zeroes in on one man's story, Walter McMillan. Now, we learn pretty early on in the movie that Walter is arrested based on the testimony of two men, one being Ralph Myers, who claimed that Walter had forced him to drive his truck to the cleaners where the murder uh, took place, and another one, Bill Hooks, who saw his low-rider truck at the scene of the crime. The problem is that Ralph Myers was a convicted felon and received a change in his sentencing because of his testimony. And Bill Hooks had some petty crimes that he was also on on the line for, and they were dismissed because uh, of his testimony. Both men would later recant their testimonies, saying, nope, that's not true, I said a lie in court. Uh, But even though they did that, that did not change the opinion of the court. It took several appeals along the way, 
a lot of additional investigation uh, work to finally get Walter's freedom. He spent six years on death row for a crime that he never committed. The movie addresses themes of empathy, equity, hope, and resilience, and obviously justice. It exposes things like systemic power, oppression, and dehumanization, and the question is, of course, with the title of the movie, what is justice? What is mercy? And who gets those things? Who gets justice and who gets mercy? So that's what we're going to wrestle with today. Uh, as we jump into our passage, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 31. You can listen in or it's up on the screen uh, for you at home as well as in the room. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me, and I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous answered him, Well, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, you see, when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And the story goes on to tell the opposite side, those who decided not to serve those, and they are told to depart from him. So the meaning of this passage is pretty straightforward and it's pretty simple. We're called to serve the least of these. And if you would consider yourself among the least of these, God wants you to know that he identifies with you. And that is good news. And the question then becomes, who are the least of these? And that is the right question to wrestle with. Because so often, when we're talking about justice, we start arguing about what? We argue about what is justice. We argue about taxation and budgets and social programs. And while those are important issues, as Christians, we need to look to the Bible and remember that justice is making things right. Right relationship with God and right, right relationship with each other whole mission. And this passage shows us that God has love and compassion for the weak, the vulnerable, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, and the disinherited. And the building blocks to social justice, justice, the social side of that is that we are in community. The building blocks to social justice are food and drink, care, invitation, and visitation. Put another way, it's about human dignity. It's about human flourishing. And it's about the sacredness of life. That is justice.
from a biblical perspective. And it reminds us that when we care for the least of these, we're actually caring in, we're caring for God. In short, we are in right relationship with God and in right relationship with each other. When we live out justice, we're living in right relationship with God and with others. So back to the movie. There are so many things that we could talk about. This movie is chock full of things to talk about. And in fact, interestingly enough, uh, Mankato School District, our kids, many of them read this book this past year and had discussions about this. Uh, Great book uh, to read. The book actually gets into a lot more details, um, and I would suggest reading it uh, if you haven't. So the movie raises some questions about systemic injustice, racism, power, who has it, who doesn't have it, and uh, policing in our criminal justice system. So McMillan is wrongly convicted. We mentioned that, Walter. Stevenson gets pulled over. Stevenson is the lawyer. And in the process, there's no reason given for his arrest. In fact, he presses the police for reason. Why, did you, you know, why are you pulling me over? Nothing is given. And he's subjected to an illegal search in the process. And uh, there's some more details in the book, but the movie does a decent job of kind of Play, uh, playing it out for us. Darnell, one of the uh, key black witnesses in Walter McMillan's community, uh, among many other, are shut down in their witness. Their, their witness is not validated. Um, and he's actually pressured when he says, I was the one, I, I can prove that Bill Hooks, the second person that the whole trial is based on, I can prove that Bill Hooks' testimony is false because I work with him. When he t- put that on record, the police then arrested him for perjury, pressuring him, and had no basis for the charge, other than that it just didn't fit their narrative of what had happened. The entire uh, conviction is based off of those two people and none of the black people in the community that said Walter was at his house for a church fish fry. Instead, the jury believed the two witnesses instead of all of the community, all of Walter's community that would say he was with them. As the credits are rolling, we learn that Tate, the sheriff who was primarily responsible for McMillan's arrest and imprisonment, was elected six more times, another 32 years of service after McMillan's release, despite the fact that the book, and the movie to some degree, but the book in greater detail, demonstrates over and over and over again just how he mistreated Macmillan as well as the other blacks in the community. And then at the end of the movie, Stevenson and Macmillan are before the U.S. Senate. Each of them, and he, and he has this to say. Can we get this up on the screen? Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. He says, the opposite of poverty isn't wealth. The opposite of poverty is justice. Our character isn't reflected in how we treat the rich and the privileged, but in how we treat the poor, the disfavored and the condemned. And if we look at ourselves closely and honestly, We all need justice. We all need mercy. And perhaps we all need some measure of unmerited grace.
For Brian Stevenson, the least of these are people on death row. He and the EJI initiative that he started, uh, Equal Justice Initiative, have uh, helped release or help um, get relief for 140 prisoners who were wrongly convicted over the past number of years since they started. And the question for us today is, who is the least of these for you? What do you feel called and who do you feel called to help? Is it your neighbor, maybe a shut-in? Would you visit them? Is it people with food insecurities? We have a backpack program here in town that you can help out with. You can join us in helping prep food every other Thursday at the Wooden Spoon, which helps people who don't have adequate food. Is it kids? Well, A, you can serve in kids' ministry. Uh, but B, you can serve at a place called My Place, Mankato Youth Place in town. Is it people experiencing homelessness? You can serve at the Connection Shelter. People without clothes? You can serve at our neighborhood thrift store, which was started by Crossview Covenant a number of years ago. And if you don't know, I want to encourage you to take time and think about it. Pray about it. Oftentimes, where we've experienced pain, that's who we can identify with, like Jesus. Jesus identifies with the poor, the marginalized, those who are dis disenfranchised. And we are called to do the same, to identify with those on the margins. The thing that gets me about this movie, and there are a lot of things, is that Brian Stevenson upholds the dignity of every person, no matter what they've done. In fact, there's a section in the movie where Herb, who actually did it, did the crime that he was in for, says, I did it. I deserve it. And Brian Stevenson looks him in the eye and says, no matter what you've done, you are still worth it. And he's able to identify with people. He's able to empathize with people in some of the same ways that I see Jesus empathizing with people in the Gospels. Despite the fact that Brian Stevenson has never been in jail himself, he's able to identify with people. And I wonder if we were to spend more time identifying with people, if we were to spend more time listening to people, we would have more empathy for people rather than pointing fingers and telling people they're right or wrong. We made it more about the who than the what. What would our community look like if we loved people and listened to them like Brian Stevenson? Let's pray. God, in this movie, we are reminded that we are all broken. That we are more than the worst thing that we have ever done. Because you created us. You love us. And we need help being reminded of that when we hear about stories uh, of injustice, when we hear stories of people uh, doing 
evil things to others. We're reminded that you went to the cross for us. You endured suffering on our behalf. And we would ask that you would help us to be mindful of that and to to join you in identifying with those on the margins and serving them. Amen.